podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. good boys and girls two-footed podcast on friday march the 11th brought to you by epilindex.com and our presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider the virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location access things you geoblock from while also keeping your data safe go to libertyshield.com use the code router50 to get 50 percent off your liberty shield router that's router50 at libertyshield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, lots of football last night. So we'll quickly run through the results in the Europa League. Sevilla won, West Ham nil. The Hammers put up a really good performance, but over the course of the 90 minutes, they were outclassed by a superior team in Sevilla. Uh, Munir El Hadidi, former Barcelona youth player, scoring the winner. He had a good game. West Ham gave as much as they could, but you can tell that squad is starting to look a little bit tired. And without Jared Bone, there's no real pace in the team. They don't really have that outball, that escape. But a good showing, and they're still very much in the tie. They'll bring it back to the London Stadium now, where I do think they'll be confident that they can overturn that. I'm not confident that they can. I think Sevilla will beat them. But credit to West Ham. They did themselves proud last night. Their fans, however, did not. Eintracht Frankfurt played Real Betis on Wednesday. And a lot of Frankfurt fans stuck around the city for another night. And a brawl broke out between what looked like crowds of about 100 Frankfurt fans and 100 West Ham fans. And it really was not a good look for anybody involved. The police had to break it up. So there's that. Um, Barcelona nil, Galatasaray nil. Barca dominated the game. 16 shots to three. 69% 69% of the ball, 13 corners to one. Played a very strong team, but did miss the nouse of Sergio Busquets at centre-back. Credit to Galatasaray. They stuck to what they set out to do. They got their draw, and they'll bring it home now. I don't know if they'll be confident of going through, but they've given themselves a chance. Rangers 3, Red Star Belgrade nil. Massive result, massive win for Rangers. Tavanier, Morales and Balogun with the goals. It was over before it started. After 15 minutes, Rangers were two up through Tavanier and Morales, who just really does like playing in Europe. He, he might be too good for Scottish football. European football does suit him. It might be time for him to move on. But credit to Rangers, that is a great performance and a great result. Braga 2, Monaco 0. This is the surprise of the night for me. Abel Ruiz and Vitor Oliveira put the goals in for 
Braggett put the goals in. What am I saying? Scored the goals for Braggett to put them uh, put them up against Monaco in that tie. I expected more from Monaco. I really did expect more from Monaco last night. But they just weren't at the races at all. And finally, Atalanta 3, Leverkusen 2. I told you. I told you this was the game to watch. Aranguiz put Leverkusen 1 up on 11 minutes. Malinowski equalised on 23. Luis Muriel put them up on 25. He got another to make it 3-1 on 49. Musa Diaby on 63 to bring Leverkusen back in and set up that second leg perfectly. Now, obviously, there's no away goals anymore, but a one-goal win for Leverkusen will send that to extra time, potentially penalties. A 2-0 would send them through. A 2-1 extra time, potentially penalties. So that one's going to be fun. Really good game of football. I do hope you gave that one a watch. In the Europa Conference League, which I'm sure we're all sitting on the edge of our seats for, Partizan Belgrade 2, Feyenoord 5, not a good night for the Belgrade clubs. Uh, Tornstra got two, Dessers, Gertruda and Sinestira with the goals for Feyenoord, Nacho and Jovic with the goals for Partizan. Slavia Prague, four, last one. Big win for Slavia. Yurisor got two. Olienka got one. And Traore got the fourth. Balic with the only goal for last. Big, big win for Slavia. Vietasarnam nil, uh, Roma won. Sergio Oliveira with the only goal of the game just before half time. He was then sent off in the 78th minute, but Roma hung on for the win and they'll be confident now of going through. PAOK won, Ghent nil, Yasmin Kurtic with the only goal of the game. PSV Eindhoven four, Copenhagen four. Sounds like an absolute belter. Unfortunately, I missed this, but I might watch this today. Uh, Johansson put Copenhagen one up. Cody Gakbo equalized on 21 minutes. Pep Beal made it 2-1 to Copenhagen on 22. Lucas Larager made it 3-1 on 43. Ritsu Doan made it 3-2. Cody Gakbo made it 3-3. Beal made it 4-3 to Copenhagen on 78. And Aaron Sahivi with the equaliser in the 85th minute. Sounds like an absolute belter of a game. 33 shots between the two sides, fairly evenly distributed. 17 shots on target. Again, fairly even split. PSV did have all of the balls, so it sounds like Copenhagen countered them to death, but we'll give that one a watch later. Bodo, Gilt, Bodo Glimt, two. AZ Alkmaar, one. Pellegrino and Solbakken with the goals. Solbakken with a late penalty to win it. Abukalal had equalised for AZ on 73, but it wasn't to be. They'll still be in a strong position to go through with that second leg at home. Roma 2, Ren 0. Mark Albrighton on 30, and then a late, late goal from Kelechi Iheanacho on 93 to give Leicester a good cushion. At 1-0, I did feel like Ren would bring them home and beat them, but at 2-0, it makes it very, very difficult to see Leicester allowing that to slip. Marseille 2, Bal 1, Milik with both goals for Marseille, Esposito with the only goal for Bal on 79. Again, that one is nicely balanced. So looking at those ones, you'd say Fine Order through, 
Slavia should go through four one up against Latte should go through. Ro- Leicester have a good advantage of a two goal lead, but not necessarily out of the woods yet. All the rest really well balanced. Same thing in the Europa League, where, like I said, you've got the West Ham one really well balanced. Porto Leon. Pretty well balanced, though. Leon winning away gives them a big advantage in the second leg. Same thing for Eintracht Frankfurt. 2-1 lead going home. Galatasaray Barca, really well balanced. Atalanta Leverkusen, really well balanced. You'd expect that Rangers will hold on and get through with that lead. And Braga, two up going to Monaco. It'll be difficult for Monaco, but not insurmountable. So all pretty well balanced. All should be pretty fun for the second legs, which are next week. No real break for the teams there. Uh, Premier League last night, we had four games. And I have to say, we saw some dreadful football played last night. Wolves four, Watford nil. Wolves were good. Watford were atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Raul Jimenez made it 1-0 on 13 minutes after good work from Wang gave him an easy chance. Cuco Hernandez turned into his own net on 18. Uh, Ray and Nuri's cross, he just stuck a leg out and it went past Ben Foster. Ben Foster with a calamitous go, uh, clearance, put it straight to Pedence. Pedence clipped it into the net. Very, very easy for Pedence. 21 minutes, 3-0, game over. And Watford never really managed much of anything after that. Zero shots on target. They did have nine in the game, but a lot of them were speculative. They had a couple of half-decent chances. Josh King, in particular, should have scored. But Ruben Neves put the uh, the cherry on top of the cake on 85 minutes. Lovely, lovely clipped goal. Picked the ball up on the edge of the box. Got himself the angle and just clipped it over Ben Foster into the far corner. Stunning goal. Uh, do give that one a watch if you can. Don't watch much of the game. The Watford were atrocious. Watford now sitting in 19th, 28 games played. Two games more than Burnley, who are two points ahead of them. It looks, it looks a loss because Hodgson just doesn't seem to have much idea of what he's doing there. He does genuinely seem like a very lost man. So I think it's probably time for Watford fans to accept their faith. Uh, another club that should accept their faith is Norwich. But Norwich at least showed a bit of fight late in this game. They went two down within 15 minutes. Trevo Chalaba from a Mason Mount corner. Then Mason Mount after good work from Kai Havertz. Really nice finish by Mount. Uh, That is eight goals and seven assists in the Premier League for Mount this season. Eight goals and nine assists in all competitions. But what I find interesting is when you look at who he got them against. We got an assist against Arsenal. Then he got a hat-trick and an assist against Norwich. Then he got a goal and an assist against Watford. Then a goal and an assist against West Ham. Then a goal against Leeds, a goal against Everton, an assist against Brighton, an assist against Spurs, a goal and assist against Norwich again last night. So against Norwich, he's got four goals and two assists. And against teams in the bottom six, he has seven goals and three assists. So he is doing a bit of stat padding here. One of his other assists came against Plymouth in the FA Cup. So little bit of stat padding. Seven goals, four assists against teams in the bottom six or lower league. Uh, You'd like to see 
a bit more from Mason Mount against good teams. The only goals he scored against good teams, the only goal he scored against a good team this year is against West Ham. He's only gotten assists against Arsenal, West Ham, Brighton, and two against Spurs in different games. One in the league, one in the cup. You'd like to see a bit more. Now, he has had a couple of little niggly injuries, but still, he played quite a bit of the Champions League campaign, 284 minutes in the group stage, no goals, no assists. You'd like to see a bit more. He's he's capable of more. Mason Mount's a very good player. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, Kai Havertz made it three. Sorry, Timo Puki scored first with a penalty on 69 minutes after Chalaba handball. And for about 15 minutes, Norwich really did pin Chelsea back. And then it just fell off and they went really flat. And Chelsea broke down the field. The ball fell to Kai Havertz and he put it in the top corner from the edge of the box. Brilliant finish. Absolutely brilliant finish. And a goal and assist for him last night as well. Uh, Kai is starting to look more and more dangerous. And it has to be said, Chelsea do just look a better team with him as the false nine. Now, I still think it would work better if they had two goal scorers either side of him and mount a bit deeper in a 4-3-3 type of situation. But for whatever reason, Thomas Tuchel continues to roll out the back three rather than switching to a back four. We know what, we know what the reason is. It's the centre-backs aren't capable, but still. Uh, another dreadful performance last night. Leeds United nil. Aston Villa three at Elland Road. Leeds had four shots in the game, one on target. And their fans started leaving before halftime. Phil Coutinho made it one on 22 minutes. Fairly tame shot that Melier probably would have saved, but Struyek stuck out a foot and deflected it past him. Matty Cash made it two on 65. Really nicely taken goal. And then Callum Chambers, who nobody expected to offer a whole lot, is completely revitalized, playing well defensively. Did some nice covering for Mings last night when required keeping Ezri Khans on the bench, who's by far their best defender. Uh, but he stepped up and banged in an absolute stunner of a goal from the edge of the box. Very, very impressive. Congrats to him. 3-0 uh, win for Villa. Leeds just look a lost cause. They do just look a lost cause. And when you look at the bottom of the table, the bottom five... Norwich, Watford, Burnley, Everton and Leeds. Burnley are genuinely the only club who look like they want to stay up. All the rest of them look like they'd be very happy to go down. They're just, they're dreadful. And Leeds are now in a situation where Burnley have two games in hand on them, only two points behind. Everton have three games in hand, only one point behind. And Leeds just don't look like winning a game. Leeds are now in a situation where I think we really have to start considering that they're the third team that go down. Norwich, Watford and Leeds. I think if I had to bet today, that's what I'd bet on. I think Everton are appalling. And I think in a normal season where there weren't so many teams who seemed desperate to get themselves relegated, that's what you'd see is Everton going down. But Leeds just look absolutely hell-bent on falling out of the division. 
Brentford have created a little bit of separation of themselves. They're four points ahead of Leeds, same amount of games played. Five ahead of Everton, though Everton do have the, the three games in hand, but Everton aren't making up five points over those three games because Everton won't string results together. Burnley are six points behind with two games in hand. It is really starting to look like Leeds will be the one that goes down. Unless Everton continue to play the way they have, then they might give Leeds a chance. But whichever one of them stays up, it will be because the other was more inept. Not because of anything good that they've done. And the one positive for Leeds is that Calvin Phillips is going to come back, but it's just a matter of will he come back in time. Will he come back in time? If he does, he can be the boost that keeps them up. But again, they're still going to be relying on Everton because Everton have all those games in hand and a vastly superior goal difference. If Everton took one point from those three games in hand, they would be above Leeds in the table. If Burnley took two points from their two games in hand, they'd be above Leeds in the table. Now, I, I don't want Leeds to go down. I especially don't want Jesse Marsh to go down. Um because I do like Marsh. And obviously, Bielsa's legacy can't be that the team went down. That just can't be it. So I would rather see Everton or even Burnley go down, but I think Dyche is too good to go down. Could be wrong, but I do think he is. Lampard is the worst manager in the in the division, but at least his players have shown a bit of fight lately. Now, Leeds played well against Leicester, and maybe, maybe they can turn things around. They get Norwich this weekend. That's a must win. They have to beat Norwich at the weekend. There's just no excuse. You've got to beat Norwich. You've got to beat Norwich. You've got to beat Watford on the 9th of April. You've got to beat Brentford on the final day. That's nine points. Get two more from your other seven games. That's it. Two more. 11 points will keep you up. If they can get the 34 points, they'll stay up. Because I don't think Everton get there. I'm not sure Burnley get there. I think Burnley have have a chance to get there. I don't see it with Everton. Everton would need to win four games to get there. And I think if we take a look at their fixtures, they have a horrible run. A horrible run. Wolves this weekend, then then, uh, Newcastle, who are in great form. The distraction of the Cup. Then West Ham, then Man United, then... Crystal Palace, then Liverpool, then Everton, sorry, then Chelsea, then Leicester. Arsenal on the final day. They've got to play Burnley as well. It really is difficult to see where they stay up unless Leeds continue to do what Leeds have been doing. But Leeds have got to beat Norwich. Beat Norwich at the weekend and then we'll have we'll have a chat about it. A lot will depend on when Phillips is back. That's the big thing. At the moment, it looks like it could be after the international break. That leaves Leeds playing both Norwich and Wolves without him. They were hoping to have him back for the Leicester game. That's going to be four extra games he's missed from where they thought he'd be. Final game last night, Southampton 1, Newcastle 2. Stuart Armstrong put Southampton 1 up on 25 minutes. Chris Wood equalised seven minutes later. Great header from a John Joe Shelby cross. And then Bruno Gomerich on 52 minutes with one of the more outrageous goals you're going to see all season. A back-heeled volley that rifled into the net. Now, 
Newcastle didn't play particularly well here, and Southampton missed a couple of big chances. Dubravka made some great saves. Sally sued a couple of good-headed chances. Brohia missed a big chance. Southampton deserved something from that game. But Newcastle are on a bit of a roll here, and uh, they'll very gratefully take those three points. So they are now in 14th place on 31 points. Three points, be- sorry, two points behind Brighton, same number of games played. Two points behind Leicester, two points behind Palace. I think we can say at this point, Newcastle are safe. Newcastle will be in the Premier League this uh, next season. And this run that they've been on has been very, very impressive. Credit to Eddie Howe, credit to the coaching staff. They have turned it around. They really have turned it around. Absolutely tremendous run of form. Right. That's that. That's last night's games. Uh, We'll do the gossip. We'll take a break and then we'll bring in Guy to look at this weekend's games. Aston Villa are plotting a move for Leeds and England midfielder Calvin Phillips. I said yesterday, I think he'll have better offers. I don't think he goes to Villa. He would be brilliant for them, but I don't think he goes there. Manchester United have sounded out Eric Ten Hag in their search for a new manager, and the Dutchman would be keen to speak to the club if they make a formal approach. That's some Sky Sports news, so you'd never really put much faith in it. Paris Saint-Germain's Argentine manager, Mircea Pochettino, wants Manchester United to convince him he is their number one choice if he's to take over. They've been after you for five years now. You're definitely their number one choice. Manchester United technical director, Darren Fletcher, is said to be operating as a mediator in this behind the scenes of the club because of tensions in the dressing room. This is just nonsense. If there's tension in the dressing room, get the captain to address it. Oh, the captain's the one causing the tension? Well, then he's not capable of being the captain of the club. Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich being sanctioned by the UK government gives Manchester United the chance to recruit Thomas Tuchel, according to Jamie Carragher. Yeah, I, I can see it, but why would he want to go there? Like, seriously, why would he want to go there? Chelsea have nine players whose contracts run out in the summer and could leave for free following UK government sanctions. I don't think they do have nine players. They've got Christensen, they've got Rudiger, and they've got Aspilicueta. They've got Saul, but his contract isn't with them. It's near alone. Oh, so they've got Emerson Palmieri, Danny Drinkwater. I mean, I... I I don't necessarily think either of these two would have been getting uh, contract extensions anyway. Uh, They're actually wrong. Uh, This piece in the Metro is wrong. Emerson Palmieri has a contract until 2024, uh, not 2022. His loan is due to end in 2022. Let's see if the rest of these are as silly. Danny Drinkwater. Uh, I think they'd be very happy if... I'm almost certain Danny Drinkwater's contract is up. It is. Danny Drinkwater's contract is up, and Chelsea will happily wave him goodbye. There would have been no intention to extend that deal. One of the more disastrous signings of the Roman Abramovich era, and there have been quite a few. Um, Baba Rockman has a contract until 2024. They've got him marked down. Again, he's on loan 
till 2022, but he's not at a contract till 2024. Another disastrous signing. Chelsea bought him from Augsburg in 2015. He has been on loan at Schalke twice, Stad Reims, Majorca, PAOK, Salinica, and now Reading. He's still only 27. He was one of the best young left-back prospects in world football when they bought him. And it has not worked out at all. And somehow he still has years left in his contract because he just brings in loan fees for Chelsea. That's the only purpose he serves for them right now. Uh, Matt Miazga is the next one here. Uh, Miazga is also, I believe, out on loan. He is at Alaves in Spain. Loan till the end of the season, contract till 2023. So he's not out of contract either. Uh, Jake Clark Salter, he's a disappointment. He was meant to be the next big thing. Now at 25, he is on loan at Coventry. Uh, another one who's had a series of loans. Uh, he is out of contract this year, but I don't think Chelsea will be rushing to extend him regardless. And then Charlie Musunda was the next big thing when they bought him. He was going to be the next great Belgian player from the same vein as Hazard and all those kind of guys. And uh, loan after loan after loan. Contract out this season and nobody at Chelsea will miss him when he's gone. He was at Celtic and none of the reports about him were favourable. So, no, they do not have nine players out of contract. They have five. So we can move on then from that. Chelsea defender Antonio Rudiger's contract runs out in the summer and the Blues have missed the chance to secure a new deal. We know that now. Juventus are considering a move for Christian Pulisic. Uh, Enno Reymar would fit in well at Juventus. He would actually do quite well there, but I don't know that they need him. Tottenham could offer... Oh, this, is from, yeah, this is from yesterday, Cameron Carter-Vickers. We saw this yesterday. Why is that there? Southampton will not want Cameron Carter-Vickers. Manchester United are planning to start talks with Diogo Delo over a new deal, with the 22-year-old having 18 months left in his current contract and being rumoured to be interested to, to be of interest to a number of good clubs. Um, Italian clubs AC Milan and Juventus are weighing up a move for Lille and Portugal midfielder Renato Sanchez. He'd make sense for AC Milan if Frank Kessie leaves. Arsenal are eyeing up a move for Carney Chukwameka of Aston Villa. Every club is eyeing up a move for him. Jose Mourinho is still keen to buy Granit Xhaka. He never learns. Brighton look like they're leading the chase for Blackburn striker Ben Brierton-Diaz with Crystal Palace, Everton, Leeds and West Ham also interested. Uh, he could help any of those clubs. Any of them. He would be a good, a good addition for any of them. He's having himself a bit of a a bit of a breakout year as well, very much taking on board what he's gotten from playing for Chile. His confidence has gone through the sky and he's got 20 goals in 28 games. Actually, it's better than that, isn't it? That's I think that's a little bit out of date. Let's have a quick gander here. Uh Ben Breerton Diaz, and he is out injured at the moment. Um he has, yeah, he is out injured. He's got ruptured ankle ligament. Uh, yeah, 20 goals in 32 games. 20 goals and one assist. <laughs> You'd like to see a bit more in terms of assists. 
his contract is up this year, but they have an option to extend it for a further year. The club do. So in all likelihood, they invoke that option and then sell him. He's a very talented player. Really is a very talented player. It took him a few years at Blackburn to really find his feet. But when he was at Forest, he was been linked with Liverpool and Arsenal and a number of other clubs. Went to Blackburn in 2018. He just he was he was 18. And no, he was 19. He was 19 at the time. And um yeah, it took him a few years to settle in to find his form. He was playing second fiddle behind Armstrong. Last season he managed seven goals after one in each of the first two seasons. But it got his uh, got his chilly debut and has just exploded this season. So credit to him. He'll be 23 in April and he's primed for a move to a Premier League club. Paris Saint-Germain uh, and France Ford. Kylian Mbappe should join Liverpool or Manchester City, says Micah Richards. Micah Richards is great fun, but maybe not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, Argentine Ford Paolo Dybala believes Juventus will allow him to leave during the summer. Well, you're allowed to leave because your contract's up. Brazil Ford Neymar has denied a report of a row between himself and Gigi Donnarumma. However, reports came out last night that PSG are desperate to sell Neymar because he's been a big flop. That's why he has not delivered. He is a pain in the arse and not worth the pain. So that is why PSG would be happy to get rid of Neymar. Uh, maybe a straight swap with Chelsea for Pulisic, Neymar for Enoramar. That could be interesting. Um, imagine Thomas Tuchel having absolute meltdowns and having to work with Neymar again, considering how little effort Neymar put in from at PSG. Uh, right, that's that. That's the gossip for the day. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we have Young Drinkle. We'll race through this weekend's games and uh, we'll be done for the day fairly quick. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So I am joined by Mr Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am good, Dave. How are you? I'm not too bad. Right, we are pushed for time this week. So let us run through the 10 Premier League games that are on offer to us this weekend. Cool. So the first up is half 12 as usual, Brighton against Liverpool. Um, Injury-wise, Brighton missing Webster and then may have a couple of us back. But Liverpool, we don't really know because the COVID situation he mentioned in his press conference... I don't think there's officially been names mentioned, but we'll probably have to wait and see with that. But regardless who's fit and available or whatever, Liverpool just have to win this game considering Brighton's recent form. Yeah, Brighton are in really poor form. Four defeats on the bounce. Liverpool will be looking to make it five. Liverpool, of course, on a good win streak in the Premier League themselves. Liverpool top of the form table. Brighton third from bottom. Not great. Not great at all. Um... Like you said, Liverpool may have some COVID issues. Rumours are Van Dijk, Thiago and Canate because they're the ones who missed training yesterday. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see who it is. Regardless, Liverpool should still have enough. Bobby Firmino is back. 
I am going to say that the Reds win 2-1. I think it'll be a tight enough game, but should be a good game. Webster being out is the big blow for Brighton. He's their best centre-back. And without him, it's Shane Duffy or Joel Veltman, both of whom I would class as liabilities at the Premier League level now. And I think the Reds should just have enough. So I'll go 2-1 Liverpool. Yeah, it's not pretty for Brighton without Webster or Duncan, is it? Um, but we'll move on to the Battle of the Bees. Um, Brentford got their big big victory last week um, over Norwich. And Burnley, as, as you mentioned uh, earlier with the relegation stuff, it's... They seem the best of the bad bunch, but this is a game they probably have to at least draw, you'd say. Yeah, they've got to get something from this. Burnley have to take something home from this game. Now, no Eric Peters is not much of a deal because Taylor is back, but no Ben Mee is a big deal. Ben Mee is really important to them as their leader and organiser at the back. Nathan Collins is really good, but he is a little bit raw. So we'll, we'll hope that Mee gets back for them quickly, but... Nathan Collins can fill in. No Vidra, no Goodmanson, and Dale Stevens is back in training, but he's not really a player you'd be relying on too much. For Brentford, their injury woes continue. Um, Christopher Ayer has another knock. Fosu is out. Janvier is out. De Silva is suspended. They're hopeful Norgart will be back. Uh, he's got a bit of a thigh problem, but they're hopeful he'll be okay. I do think a draw is the likely result here, so I'm going to go for the draw. I'll go 1-1, one, one, which I think suits both teams. Gives Brentford another point in their little kind of march towards survival. I think Brentford should be okay. I think the win they got last weekend was huge for them. Burnley, a, a draw, assuming results go the way, I think they will. A draw should see them finish the weekend outside of the relegation zone. However... A win will definitely do that for them. So I think they will be very much going for the victory. But I think both sides would walk away for the with the draw. I take I'd take a 1-1 here. Yeah, I'd probably think something similar. Uh, next up then, possibly the biggest game of the weekend, unless I'm missing something. No, but Man United against Spurs. I, it's a weird one, this, because both, well, probably more so Spurs. Spurs can be good and bad. Mm. United can get good results and be bad. <laughs> the performance doesn't really change. Um, yeah, can Spurs just get over the hump really here? Because if they win this, they're, they're really back in the top four fight, probably with Arsenal, you'd say. Definitely, definitely. Spurs need this victory. Spurs need this victory. Uh, they can't really afford any more slip-ups, especially in a game against a team that are also going for fourth. So right now we've got Arsenal, United, West Ham and Spurs. And maybe you could look at Wolves as well, though they've played three games more than Arsenal and are five points behind them. But Wolves just keep hanging around. That three, that run of three defeats in a row really did hit them hard. Mm-hmm. But Tottenham have been through a spell like that as well. You know United are capable of losing games in a bundle. And I think Arsenal are going to hit a skiddy, spat, a skiddy patch soon as well. Um Looking at the injuries, no Sessegnon, no Tanganga, no Skip. But I don't think any of them would start in this game anyway because Regulon is back. Bentoncourt and Heusberg are playing well. Tanganga's not getting in over Romero. So for Spurs, they'll be at full strength. Whereas with United, McTominay's a doubt. 
Cavani is training but doesn't seem to want to play. Cristiano doesn't seem to want to play. He didn't play against City. Why would he play in this one? You know, he's. I'm, I know. I'm guessing, I'm guessing if it's if he's asked to start, wasn't it? Wasn't the issue he was thought he was above the bench? That was the rumor, wasn't it? That was the rumor that he was thought he was above the bench. So yeah, I mean, maybe if he's ready to start, if he's going to start, he'll turn up. But who knows? Um, Varane and Shaw had COVID. Whether they're back or not remains to be seen. We'll just have to wait and see. Oh, uh, obviously Greenwood out as well. So they're, they're going to be missing somebody. They're going to be missing, you know, maybe as many as three starters. So that's a big blow. They don't exactly have quality depth. I'm going to go for the Spurs win here. I think Spurs looked really good last time out. They've won back-to-back games. They've won three of their last four. I'm going to go for the Spurs win. 3-1. I think Kane is starting to look like Harry Kane again, which is a welcome return for Spurs, considering the mess that was his first <laughs> Harry, half the season. Harry Maguire is looking like Harry Maguire. And that's exactly <laughs> it. Harry Maguire is a massive liability right now. And with the way Kulisevsky is playing and Son has found his best form, they're going to, they're going to have the advantage in midfield with Heusberg and Bentoncourt. That's better than what United are going to put out. I'm going to go for a Spurs win, 3-1. Yeah, just see if Spurs can Spurs. That's probably the main argument there, but we never know. Um, Moving on to Sunday, because, yeah, let's just have the free games on Saturday. Why not? That's weird, isn't it? Is is it? Why is... It's because the games are on Thursday, I think. There was games on Thursday. Why not have them on Wednesday, though? Because you can't put them on the same time as the Champions League. You know. That's just so silly. Put them on at 6 p.m. then on Thursday, and it would have been on Wednesday, it would have been fine. Mm, this is weird, isn't it? But there were there was only one on telly anyway, so people couldn't watch it over the Champions League anyway. Just a bit stupid, but hey ho. Um, football is illogical. Um, and maybe this game is as well. Chelsea against Newcastle. I think Chelsea. I mean, the results. Ah, let me just check. Yeah, four wins in a row. Um yeah. kind of getting back to the best, as you mentioned, finding small attacking fluidity is probably the way to word it. I mean, Havertz, Pulisic and Mount seems to be the three. Ziyech has done all right at times. But Newcastle... Werner's looked a little bit better yeah. as well. So, yeah, yeah, it really is just Lukaku. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, and Newcastle... Well, Newcastle, they have the same form. I It's a... I wouldn't say it's a test for Newcastle, but if they can beat Chelsea, I mean... It obviously doesn't carry over to next season, but it's gone better than even if they like did sign Mbappe and like R nine and stuff in in, in the January. But it's gone better than anyone could have could have thought, really. Definitely, it's definitely gone better than expected, and they've picked up the results at the right time of the season as well. So they're not scrambling for points come late April into May. Now they do have. A lot of injury issues at the minute. Uh, Federico Fernandez is injured. Jolington has a knock. St. Maximum has a knock. Bruno Gomerish, they, they think it's just cramp, but he does have a bit of a knock. Uh, Emil Kraft has a bit of a knock. Fabian Schaar has a bit of a knock. Oh dear. So they're starting to get a bit of a walking wounded situation here where because they've got quite a small squad of players that can really be trusted, the players are having to play a lot of football. 
Um, we know that Hayden and Lewis are not in the squad. Trippier and Wilson are out long term. It is a lot. It's a lot to ask, especially going up against Chelsea. Now, Chelsea themselves, not exactly at 100%. No Chilwell, no James. Hudson-Odoi is a doubt. Marcus Alonso has COVID, but could be back. But Saul has played really well as a wing-back. Mm. Uh, Pulisic has... A, a, they, they think it's an, a, an illness. Who played right back against Norwich? Uh, if Reese James and Aspi were unfit. Hang on one sec. Who did play right back? I watched this game. It was, no, it was Aspi. It was Aspi. Oh, was he, he, he play? Okay. Yeah, he played him with Dolph and they changed the shape. Right. Okay. Um, I assume Aspi will be okay. If he doesn't... Don't they have a young lad who played there? There's a couple of young players they can call up or they can bring Rudiger back in and play Chalaba as the wing-back. It's not ideal. Hudson-Odoi would obviously be the one that would fit in, but he's he's injured as well. So, yeah, it's a bit of a worry for Chelsea. I still think they'll have too much for Newcastle. Like, if we look at the teams that Newcastle have been beating, they're, they're not exactly massive surprises. They're not beating the teams at the top of the league. They did get, obviously, a good draw against West Ham. They got a draw against Manchester United. But the wins have come against Leeds, awful. Everton, awful. Villa, not very good. Now, Villa have bounced back with a couple of wins. Brentford, not good. The win over Brighton was a good win. But again, Brighton are in poor form. Southampton is the best win of the bunch for them. But Saints got hammered at the weekend by Villa, so Mm -hmm. they're in a bit of a dip as well. But look, it's still, for for Newcastle to be unbeaten in nine with six wins, considering they only won once in the first 18 games, to have won six of their last nine is really impressive. And they've got, you know, probably a win coming up middle of next week away to Everton as well. Um, But that's sandwiched between tough games. They've got Chelsea... Then they get uh, Spurs off the back at the international break. I'll go for a Chelsea win here. I just think they'll have too much quality in attack for that Newcastle defence. It won't be easy, but I'll go 3-1. Yeah, it it should be an interesting game either way. Um, Next up, we have Everton against Wolves. I think Wolves need to thank me for their mid uh, midweek win because I did predict Watford to win. Um, so that is a hundred percent me. Um, but Everton, you mentioned on I think it was Tuesday show about their uh, record at uh, Goodison. Mm. But Wolves, I, I don't know if they switched it, switch, switched their form round against um, Watford, but it's a similar enough game against Everton, really. If anything, you'd think Watford would have more an attacking threat than Everton. And I don't rate Michael Kane and Co. too much above Kafka, etc. So it might be a similar game. Yeah, it could very well be. Um, obviously, a lot's been made of the fact that Everton have you know more games at home than away, but it is it's seven at home, one or six away. And Wolves are good away from home. They've got seven wins. Uh, they've beaten Watford, Southampton, Villa. Brighton, Manchester United, Brentford and Spurs all away from home. I expect them 
to win this game as well. I expect them to walk into Goodison and play Everton off the pitch, quite frankly. Everton will put up a fight for a certain period of time, but then it all just seems to fall away. Yerry Mina, still out. Fabian Delph, still out. Damari Gray, they're hopeful he's back. Ben Godfrey, they're hopeful he's back. Michael Keane, they're claiming it's an illness. Michael Keane has been unwell for some weeks. I, I don't well, believe he has been man. unwell for weeks. If he's unwell for weeks, then he probably needs to go to the hospital. Um, and obviously Tom Davies is out for the season. I think that's... No Mina means the defence is going to be fairly calamitous. Um, for Wolves, Semedo and Hoiver are both out, likely to be out for a while with, with muscle injuries, but They've got Johnny back, Johnny Otto, who was really good last night. It was great to see him back playing Premier League football. So I think what we'll see is a comfortable Wolves win. I'm going to go 2-0 Wolves, and I just don't see it with Everton. I, I just don't see where goals are coming from. I don't see anything from them in midfield, and the defence is not very good. So if Everton win, you can thank me for this, but I'm going to go 2-0 Wolves. Yeah, and I think even if it's just a boring game, not, well, not boring, but possibly frustrating game for Everton, we've seen what their fans are like. It, it doesn't take long for Goodison Park to get toxic. Um, but maybe you have to discuss that game with this next game as well, because as you mentioned earlier, it's between Everton, Leeds and Burnley, probably for the relegation spot. And you mentioned this whilst discussing Leeds last game. They have to win this game, but do you have any confidence in them doing so? No, none at all. None at all. Um, no Cooper, no Phillips, no Hjeld, no Roberts, no Firpo. Uh, Firpo adding to the woes of Leeds. He hasn't had a particularly good season, it must be said, but he is still their best left back. Uh, but they'll just have to make do. They'll just have to get on with it. For Norwich... Gilmore's back, but no Sam Byram, no Adam Day, and no Oma Babadeli. I'm going to go with a Leeds win. I have no real logic behind it other than the fact that they're at home. And I think, I think that Ellen Road crowd really need to get behind the team. What I saw last night from Leeds fans was a disgrace. And they need to get their act together just as much as the team do. They've got 10 games to save themselves. And they're going to need every single bit that they can from the fans and from each of the players. I'll go for 2-1 Leeds win. Bamford being back might just give them the little bit of an edge that they need. Might just give them the little bit of an edge that they need. So I'll go for a 2-1 Leeds win. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who plays left back and midfield. I'm guessing it'll be Dallas, but he plays every other position. So that's it. He's currently playing Godman. right back. So mm. let's Young, see. Who... Youngster at centre back and ailing back at right back or something. Um, well, yeah, see, they could go ailing at right back, Dallas at left back, and then Struik and Lorente in oh, the Lorente. middle. Okay. Um, this assuming Lorente is okay to play. Um if we look at last night. They went Dallas, Ailing, Struik, and Firpo. On the bench, they had Loriente. So I assume he comes in, Dallas switches across, 
and they get ailing out of centre-back. That seems the most logical thing to do. I would guess Bamford might start, so potentially Rodrigo drops out. Harrison and James wide, uh, Rafinha behind. Now, Rafinha hasn't been playing well, but you still have to have him on the on the pitch. That central midfield pairing of Forshaw and Robin Cock is, is atrocious. Cock is a centre-back and Forshaw is a championship player. But going up against Norwich, who also have a fairly championship-level midfield, it should be enough. I'll go with the with the home win. Yeah, yeah. It's such an important game, but God knows what it'll be like. Uh, I didn't even check which ones are on telly. Chelsea, Newcastle, you'd think Leeds and Norwich would be. Um, but hey-ho. Uh, next up, then, we have Southampton and Watford. All of these are on at 2 o'clock for some reason as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great stuff. But Southampton... We mention it every time we discuss Southampton. Their form literally, like, they could be the form team in the league and then all of a sudden become the worst team in the league. Mm. I I haven't even seen highlights of the game against Newcastle, but they were awful against Aston Villa. I, I'm guessing you've seen bits and something of the uh, Newcastle loss, but yeah, they were they were a lot better. Right, they were a lot okay. better than they were against Villa. They, I thought they were the better team on the night, to be fair. But Newcastle took their chances and they didn't. But you're right. I mean, they could be. They could win six in a row and then lose 2-0 to Norwich. Or they could lose Absolutely. four in a row and then go and beat Man City. They're just so I think they actually did team. that this season. <laughs> They're so weird. I just I I just can't wrap my head around the inconsistencies of them. Like they'll put together really nice runs of form and then they'll lose one. And you're like, oh, you know, it's okay to lose a game when you're Southampton, but to get walloped the way they did by Villa who haven't been good, it was just so poor. Newcastle, at least, were in a great run of form, so you can kind of put that down to mm-hmm. form and a little bit of luck. Um, no Loyanko, no McCarthy. Teller, they're hoping to have back, at least for the bench. Watford, no Nkulu. Ngakia is a doubt. Truce de Kong is a doubt. Uh, João Pedro has COVID. He's a doubt. Ishmael Assar is out and Kiko Femenia is out. Ishmael Assar and Joe Pedro are big blows for them because those two and Emmanuel Dennis should have been their starting front three all season. And that's actually a really good front three, but we've barely gotten to see it. Um, Saints at home, you'd, you'd have to back them to bounce back from the, the, the back-to-back defeats. I don't think they'll lose two in a row at home. I'll go Southampton win. Hodgson seems completely lost. So, you know, opportunity for Ranić to uh, to get one over on Roy. I'll go for a 3-1 Southampton win. I think, I think Watford will score, but Ben Foster's been dreadful of late. Watford's defence is just not good enough. 54 goals conceded, third worst in the division. Um... I'll, I'll go for a 3-1 Southampton win. Yeah, it feels like they should have got Hodgson when they got Ranieri, if they were going to do this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and that's the thing. And I suppose the, the, the problem is, will they even keep Roy till the end of the season? Oh, will he stick around <laughs> till the end of the season? He might like to walk away and then wipe his hands of it and say, I've still never been relegated. So, you know, we'll wait and see. Yeah, it's a strange point because like, 
He's not. He hasn't been in a firefighting position since Fulham hired him. So, it's a weird one. Um, but moving on, West Ham against Villa. Uh, I don't. I didn't see anything of the Sevilla game either. But as West Ham missing a few people and fatigue squad and stuff like that, and Aston Villa have seemingly found Philippe Coutinho from twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah, and Barcelona are rumored to be preparing a bid. <laughs> um, yeah, Villa Villa looked really, really good in the last couple of games. It must be said. Now, look, it's not like they're beating good teams. They, you know, they beat Leeds, they beat Brighton, who are out of form. The Southampton win was the really impressive one. Um, but they've also lost to a number of bad teams. They lost to Watford. They lost to Newcastle. They drew with Leeds at home. Um, so they can be hit and miss as well. But with their quality, with the, with the talent at the club, they should absolutely be a top-half team. And I'd have to go back and, and look, but I do think I predicted them to finish, you know, somewhere in that sort of ninth to 12th sort of region at the start of the season. Obviously, it started badly under Dean Smith. Gerrard has come in. I think they've won eight of his 17 games in charge. Now, obviously, not all of them have been in the league. I think 16 of them maybe in the league. Um, but he has turned things around. He's gotten them into mid-table, which is where they should be. But look, it's still very, very open there in the middle of the table. They're only five points ahead of Brighton and Newcastle, so they could end up anywhere from ninth to probably 14th mm-hmm. by the end of the season. But it's all about finding your best 11, figuring out what you're going to need in the summer, and identifying who you probably need to move on for Gerard, you know, because he didn't get preseason. He took over when they'd lost five in a row. So we'll wait and see what happens um, across the rest of the season, but it doesn't really matter towards the long term for Gerard. His plans will all be about next season. Um, West Ham do look tired. They do. They look really, really tired. Now, they gave Liverpool a very good game. And going into this one, I, I think I would back them to win. Villa have no marvellous Nakamba, but everybody else is available. West Ham still missing Sufal. Yarmolenko's out. Jared Bowen is out. That's a, a blow for them because obviously his pace and directness is, is part of how they play. And Ogbonna is out for the season and has been for a while. I do fancy West Ham to win it, but... I think I'll actually go with a draw. Mm. Though Mikel Antonio against Tyron Mings is something that could be quite amusing. Um, I want to see how Callum Chambers tops an outside the foot pass from 30 yard and the screamer. Yeah, I know. He's, that's he's, scoring, he's scoring an overhead kick like Zlatan against England. I, that's what my money's on. Him and Coutinho, the, uh, the rejuvenation stories of the mm. season. Um, do you know what? I'll go 2-2. I'll go for the draw which would be a bad result for West Ham, considering they're trying to push for uh, for Champions League still. And if Wolves beat Everton, which I expect them to do, I think um, that would drop them to eighth, potentially, because I have Tottenham beating United as well. That would be a big blow for West Ham. <laughs> but yeah, I'll go 2-2. I wonder as well if Moyes might have one eye on the midweek game. So maybe he plays a slightly rotated team. Is that I'll the second leg of Sevilla? 
Yes, VAR. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't, they uh, don't give teams breaks in the Europa League. <laughs> they just win. No, no, not at all. <laughs> play and play and play. Yeah. I'll go 2-2. Two, two. I'll go 2-2. Two, two. I think it'll be a good yeah. game of football. Um, but if West Ham had their full-strength team, I'd back them to win, but they don't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 2-2 two, two for me. To be fair, the Conference League for West Ham, It'd be one that could win. Well, they could still win the Europa League, to be fair. But That's the thing. Look, if they can just just get yourself into Europe, that's all that's really mm. going to matter for you. Get yourself into Europe and then go and try and win whatever competition you're in. At the moment, now at the moment, it's only the top seven that would get into Europe. But that can all change with the FA Cup and whatever else. So yeah, we, we'll we've took... See. Well, we've took the. I don't know if it goes to the league. Yeah, because we won the league cup because that's who goes in the conference league, isn't it? So I'm guessing it, it would go to seventh, unless yeah, like Borough win the so. unless like Borough win the FA Cup or something. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's the thing. So if someone in the top six wins the FA Cup, which is which is likely, then eighth would come into. The, I think eighth would come into the mix. No, isn't it? Fi- isn't it fifth Europa. and sixth Europa? Fifth and sixth get your own. Oh, FA, anyway. FA Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's if it all, all goes to league, I think it's fifth and sixth. And then seventh is conference if it all goes conference. on league. Yeah. Because I think there's only three that go into Europe now into the Europa competitions, I think. Oh, you could be right. So they just might not get an extra spot. Yeah. Yeah. So they West Ham might miss Europe this season mm-hmm. if if because they are looking tired, but yeah. They well, can only do what they, they can seventh. do. Yeah, if they get seven, that's a good season either way. I think. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. If they get seven, <laughs> that's a great season. Europe and back, actual qualification for Europe and back-to-back seasons mm. is something they've never done through the league, ever. They got in one year because of the Fair Play Award <laughs> and then qualified themselves the next year. But that's not real qualification. And they got dumped out really early both years. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they've gone on to the knockouts this year. And if they were in the Conference League, like you said, I mean, if they were in this year's Conference League, I think they'd be favourites to win it. I know Leicester are there. I know Roma are there. But I think I'd back West Ham to beat both over two legs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I probably would as well, to be fair. Um, But we'll move on to the last Sunday game. There is a Monday game. Um, Arsenal against Leicester. I don't know if I'm just misremembering this. And I, Vardy isn't Vardy a doubt? I know he called Vardy's out. Vardy is, is out. Yeah. So, right. um, so no Vardy, no Ricardo Pereira, no Ryan Bertrand, no Johnny Evans, and no Timothy Castanier. Wesley Fafana is has COVID at the moment, but he is fit again finally. He's had a really um, good look this season, hasn't he? Oh, it's been atrocious <laughs> for him. Really has. But James Justin is back. That's a big plus. Um, so you know, Rogers is gonna have to just shuffle the deck continuously here because he, he needs to start winning Premier League games more frequently than they have. Last night they went with Justin, Amarte, Seonchu, and Thomas as the back four. I assume we'll see similar. It wouldn't surprise me, actually, if the team that started the Wren game, which was Tielemans and Didi and Dewsbury Hall in midfield, Albright and Dacca and Barnes, if that 11 is not the 11 Rodgers rolls out again. Um, as you said, they're, they're playing Arsenal this weekend, and 
Arsenal have had a lot of good luck with injuries this year. Not playing in Europe really does help. Emil Smith-Rowe had COVID, but they're hopeful he'll be back. Tommy Asu's out and they don't really have a return for him. So it's it's just one of them that's a slow healing injury, which is a shame because he was having a very good season. Yeah, They've got Liverpool on the horizon as well. So difficult couple of days coming up for Arsenal. Arsenal are in great form. They've won four in a row, but Leicester have won back-to-back games, which is you know a bit unusual for them this season. In fact, they've won three in a row if you factor in the Wren game. Maybe they can take some confidence from that. You would have to imagine that Harvey Barnes against Cedric at right back gives Leicester at least one port of potential to open up that Arsenal back line. Leicester will have the better midfield. It does just come down to how well Leicester's defence cope. If they're solid, you'd give them a chance in this game. If Fafana starts, I'd give them a good chance in this game. I'm going to go for the Arsenal win. I'll go 2-1 Arsenal. But if Fafana starts, I could see Leicester potentially sneaking a 1-1 draw here. Mm. And if Arsenal... if Arsenal, does it, does it answer the questions about lack of quality opposition they've beat? So it is a really talented squad from Leicester. It's just... It is, but they're still 12th. Yeah. They're still 12th. Like, you look at Arsenal this season, lost both games to City... Lost to Liverpool, lost to uh, Chelsea, drew at United. They did beat West Ham, but West Ham were missing three of their four starting defenders. They beat, they beat Spurs. Hmm? They beat Liverpool nil-nil as well. They did beat Liverpool nil-nil in the Cup. Uh, they beat Spurs, but Spurs were a calamity at the time. We'll wait and see what happens when they play again. They did get back-to-back wins over Wolves. They're their two best results of the season. Mm-hmm. They beat Villa, but Villa were awful at the time and were about to sack Dean Smith. Like, they haven't really beaten the good teams when the good teams have been whole. They've had a bit of good fortune, but you need good fortune in this league. Now, again, like I I say to you all the time, I don't trust them. I don't believe in them. If they do sneak top four this year, I don't think they'll get it again next season. And they would be sneaking it this year. And they would largely be getting it because United and Spurs have made such a mess of their seasons and because West Ham just don't have enough strength and depth. They're going to have to invest a lot in the squad, even if they just get Europa League, which looks a given at this. They're going to get... Oh, yeah, a Europa definitely. League. And they've already spent a fortune. So, mm. you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. But uh, I think they get the win this weekend. I'll, I'll go 2-1, but it, it, it could well be a draw. It could. These are two... Mm-hmm. On, on paper... A full-strength Leicester is better than a full-strength Arsenal. Now, Leicester aren't going to be at full strength, but they've got some decent depth. They could get a draw. They could even win it, but I'll go with the Arsenal win. I don't think a draw is too bad for Arsenal, considering United and Spurs playing each other and someone And they've got games in hand. Yeah, a team screws up every week as well. So a draw against That's exactly it. Every single week, one of these teams finds a new and exciting way to throw away a result. Arsenal haven't had... Now, their fans might claim that their wobble was at the start of the season, but I don't think so. I think there's going to be a little bit of a dip from Arsenal at some point between now and the end of the season. It's a very difficult run of games coming up for them. Um, And in fact, their run-in is quite difficult because they've had a fairly easy time of it in terms of who they've played 
twice. You know, they've played a lot of the bottom six twice. You know, your Burnleys, your Watfords, your Norwiches, etc. And they're the teams they should beat. But we'll see what they're made of between now and the end of the season. Yeah, it should be a fun game. That is the second televised one on uh, Sunday. Um, moving on to Monday night football. Uh, we'll do this one quickly. I'm pretty sure this one is only on TV because Palace seemingly are a bogey team of Man City every mm. every few years. Um, but yeah, Man City batted United last week. But Palace do have the weapons to hurt any team. The attack looked better. The young, exciting uh, attacking midfielders in the league and... Uh, Eze has not had the season, but he's been in, he was injured the first half, wasn't he? Um, but yeah, a shock on the cards. Man City, after a little poor spell, the Man United game reinvigorated, maybe? Yeah, potentially. Potentially. I mean, no Diaz is a big deal. Uh, Zach Steffen has been out for a while, but he's the backup keeper, so you're not too worried. Nathan Aki, they hope to have back. Uh, Cole Palmer is still out. Jack Canseo is ill but they're hopeful that he'll be okay. And obviously, uh, Mendy is, is suspended. Um, no Ferguson, no Ward for Palace. So they're probably looking at Joel Ward or um, Nathaniel Kleining and at right back. James McArthur being out is a blow for them because he is important. But Will Hughes has filled in really well this season and maybe has established himself as first choice. Palace come into this game having won two of their last three. They went through a bit of a tough spell, but they have turned things around recently. The win over Wolves was very impressive. They hammered Watford. The draw at home to Burnley was a bit of a disappointment, but you know it is what it is. They're still going well in the FA Cup. City, on the other hand, like you said, they had that little bit of a wobble. It wasn't even just results. It was performances as well weren't as, as sharp as you'd expect. This is my shock of the week, Guy. I'm going to go 1-1. I think Palace score first and City have to chase the game. Palace already beat City this season, so we know they're capable of doing it. And Palace are a better team now than they were then because they've had longer under Vieira. They've learned the system better. They've adapted better to his demands. I'm going to go for the draw here. I hope you're right, Dave. I hope you're right. Especially so with, I. Especially with <laughs> Liverpool playing at half 12 because it's a potential weekend, Ruida. I hate early kickoffs, but so that'd, be a, lo- that'd be a lovely way to finish the year. There's nothing worse than your team losing on like the Friday kickoff or the early Saturday kickoff. It ruins your weekend. Remember when we couldn't just not do early kickoffs in the yeah. early days of clock? Oh, God, yeah. Lord. But the other thing that can ruin your weekend is if your rivals win and you're playing on the Monday. And you've mm. just got to wait and wait and wait. And I think City might slip here. I'm going to go 1 1. So that's it. We will leave it there for today. Um, oh, dear. Uh, so, just one interesting thing before we go Chelsea yesterday, three came out and released a statement saying we've asked Chelsea to immediately remove our logo from their kits in the stadium. Chelsea wore shirts with the three logo on them last night. I assume they asked for permission just for last night because they'd gone to Norwich with the kits already and had no real work around bar sticking tape across them. Uh, but three will not be on the Chelsea kits anymore, uh, or certainly not for the time being. Travago have, uh, have stood by Chelsea. 
Travago, the travel company, has said, as a global travel brand, we believe in connecting and bringing people together. These are values shared by Chelsea Football Club, an institution that's now 117 years old with a tradition so vitally important to its fans and communities, both locally and globally. Globally, And that is why we decided to partner with the club last year. This is nonsense, by the way. Uh, this is the uncertainty over the current ownership situation of Chelsea FC has been challenging. Moving forward, it is important to us to continue supporting the club, the fans and community, along with the essential work the Chelsea Foundation does to help those in need. We are looking forward to a transition of ownership as soon as possible and want to support the club in this process. We will provide any update on our business relationship if and when appropriate. As a company of global citizens, we cannot condone an unprovoked and catastrophic catastrophic invasion of Ukraine. We believe in a free world, freedom of speech and peace. We continue our efforts together with our teams to support the human humanitarian efforts, blah, 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 blah. We stand with Ukraine. Well, you don't stand with Ukraine. You stand with making money. That's what you've shown us today, Travago. So hopefully, hopefully people answer by not using Travago anymore. That's what I hope. I hope people answer by not using Travago anymore. Because that's an outrage. You didn't have to cancel your sponsorship, but you could have you could have suspended it the way three have done. Shame on you, Travago. And uh, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you as always for listening, folks. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.